Shalom and welcome to the Jewish Mind, where the growth of modernity meets the timeless wisdom and solutions of Judaism. The Talmud tells us of a debate that took place in heaven when Moses arrived to receive the Torah. I'll quote it to you from the Talmud. Rabbi Yeshua, the son of Levi, also said, When Moses ascended on high, the ministering angels spoke before the Holy One, Blessed be He. Sovereign of the universe, what business has one born of woman amongst us? He has come to receive the Torah, answered he to them. Said they to him, That secret treasure which has been hidden by thee for nine hundred and seventy-four generations before the world was created, thou desire to give to flesh and blood? What is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? O Lord our God, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set thy glory, the Torah, upon the heavens. Return them an answer, bade the Holy One, blessed be he, to Moses. Sovereign of the universe, replied he, I fear lest they consume me with the fiery breath of their mouths. Hold on to the throne of glory, said he to him, and return them an answer. <coughs> Excuse me. He, Moses, then spoke before him, Sovereign of the universe, the Torah which thou givest me, what is written therein? I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. Said he to them, the angels, Did ye go down to Egypt? Were ye enslaved to Pharaoh? Why then should the Torah be yours? Again what is written therein? Thou shalt have none other gods, do ye dwell amongst people that engage in idol worship? Again what is written therein? Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Do ye then perform work that ye need that ye need to rest? Dot, dot, dot. Again what is written therein? Thou shalt not murder. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Is there jealousy amongst you? Is the evil tempter amongst you? Straight away they, the angels, conceded right to the Holy One, blessed be He. Our sages comb through the answers of Moses and find in it two primary points. A. The Torah was meant to be fulfilled physically, and the angels cannot do that. And B. The Torah has a primary focus on correcting the egocentric nature of the animalistic soul, and angels don't have two inclinations, a godly soul and an animalistic one and thus do not have this process of correcting within them an animalistic soul. There are two dimensions here in which a. toiling on correcting one's character is a prerequisite to receiving the Torah. This is the Kabbalistic and Hasidic insight to our counting of the Omer from Passover to the Shavuot holiday of receiving the Torah which is us counting, correcting, and polishing our 49 emotions, seven emotions, each made up of seven details. B, on the other hand, it is through the Torah that we empower to perform this correction, which means that it is after we receive the Torah that we have the tools to correct our egocentric characteristics of our animalistic soul. 
So we see that there's two levels here, as a prerequisite and after we receive the Torah. Let us take this one level deeper <coughs> before we move on. When we speak of the self-refinement of the counting of the Omer, the verse speaks of seven complete weeks. We should count seven complete weeks. The mystical teachings reveal to us that the definition of complete refinement is the depths of, quote, with all your might, end quote. This is a verse that we say in the Shema that comes from Deuteronomy. We should love God with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our might, which is the ultimate freedom from self and limitations and opening ourselves up to total submission and oneness with God. Thus, what we have here is that in the second concept of Moses' answer to the angels, which is the correction of the animalistic soul, which is not just a purpose of the Torah, but a prerequisite to receiving the Torah as well, there are two dimensions. A, the totality of freedom of the egocentrism of our soul, which is with all your might, and B, the refinement of character, detail by detail, 49 days, 7 times 7. What is most amazing about all of this is that the ultimate revelation of the Ten Commandments is the first word of the Ten Commandments, I am God, your Lord. In mysticism, God, Lord are names which represent levels, while I represents the essence. When God says, I am God, your Lord, I represents the essence. Seemingly, one would expect that the ultimate revelation of the essence, the I am God, your Lord, would come through the higher preparation of the total submission of with all our might. However, in fact, the absolute necessary prerequisite to receive the ultimate revelation of the essence is precisely through the preparatory service of the refinement of character detail by detail 49 days 7 times 7 that's astonishing one would think that we would have to focus more on the with all your might the greatest and deepest level of submission but no it's actually the refinement of character detail by detail which is the most important prerequisite to receive the Torah. In this lecture, we are going to dive into the depths of depths of Jewish mysticism to understand why we need A, with all your might, B, correction of details of character, and C, why the latter is the key to the ultimate revelation of the essence of I am God your Lord who took you out of Egypt, the essence. The next introduction takes us to the question of what existed before the genesis of creation. Rashi, Rabbi Shlomo Yitzchaki, tells us that the answer lies hidden within the first word of the genesis, which in Hebrew is Bereshit. One of the secrets hidden in this word is that it should be read as two words, Bet, the letter Bet, Reshit, which means two Reshit, two beginnings. The mystical teaching here is that there are two primordial existences which existed before the world was created, which is the Jew, godly soul, and the Torah. The practical teaching of this mystical teaching then goes on to read the word 
bet reshit as the purpose and mission statement for creation. The reason why God created the world is so that the Jewish people would receive and fulfill the Torah. Allow me to explain the mystical concept of Bereshit. Bet Reshit. When you read Genesis, you see that the world was created through God's speech. The verse kept on saying, and God said, and God said, let there be, let there be light, and so forth. Always God said. The mystical description here is that before God's speech, there is the higher reality of what existed exists within God's thought. The higher subliminal dimension of God's thought is the inner purpose and drive for God's speech. The Jew and the Torah exist within the primordial subliminal dimension of God's thought. In the teachings of Elijah the prophet, a book which is called Tana de Veliao, the teaching gets deeper. By searching within God's thought itself, of which comes first, the Jew or the Torah? The answer is the Jew. And the proof is brought that within the Torah it already says, speak to the children of Israel. And it says, command the children of Israel which means that the children of Israel already existed when the Torah was being written. Again, allow me to explain. In the spiritual realm of divinity, time does not exist as we know it to be divided by before and after. Rather, time is defined as above and below. This means that time is defined in the teachings of Kabbalah and Hasidus as to mean higher and more subliminal, that's before, or lower and less subliminal, that's after. Thus, what Elijah was actually saying is that within God's thought, the source of the Jew is higher and more subliminal than the source of the Torah. So now, let us explore what exactly the concept of subliminal means to us here. Here is the dictionary's definition of subliminal. It's an adjective, it's in the world of psychology, and the definition is of a stimulus or mental process below the threshold of sensation or consciousness perceived by or affecting someone's mind without their being aware of it. So there you have the two definitions of the word subliminal. Let's see what it means to us in our Kabbalistic exploration. When we speak of the ultimate and only existence from which all existence comes forth, we are speaking of the essence, blessed be he. The way specificity, specificity of anything begins to exist within the essence is in a total subliminal level of existence. Then, the specificity of anything evolves from layer to layer as it exists in the primordial infinite light and then in the post-contraction light, then the supernal crown on its internal dimension of the holy ancient one, and then on its external dimension of the long faces. These are all of an evolution from higher to lower levels of subliminal existence. Simply speaking, all of these major layers of the evolution from the infinite to the finite that I just mentioned are all circular infinite dimensions.
and thus any specificity of anything must exist within them at a subliminal level and cannot exist within them at a tangible level. To shed some more understanding on how mysticism explores and defines these subliminal levels, let me mention that Hasidic spe Hasidus speaks of the difference between name, fire within the flintstone, capacity, hidden potential, and revealed potential. The exploration here is that each of these layers is a different dimension of subliminal existence. Let us take a look at the human soul for a moment. The essence of the soul has no specificity at all and is only of pure simplicity. Thus, the source of all the soul's faculties and all the characteristics of the soul exists within the essence of the soul only on a most subliminal level. The faculties and characteristics of the soul evolve lower and lower from the essence of the soul to the lower dimensions of the soul where eventually the faculties and characteristics of the soul become three-dimensional tangible faculties and characteristics. In defining the different layers of the evolution from the faculties and the characteristics as they exist on the different levels of the circular infinite dimensions of the soul, Hasidus turns to all those different examples. For example, when we speak of the soul's level of a capacity of wisdom, in the circular infinite dimensions of the soul, we are not speaking of a conscious, defined intellect of wisdom. At the capacity level of the soul, there is no tangible specificity of intellect and definitely within intellect itself, there is no specificity of the intellect of wisdom versus the intellect of understanding. Here, the faculties of the soul exist only on a capacity subliminal level. As we evolve into the lowest subliminal levels of the soul, there are the intricate differences of subliminal levels as potential, the fire within the flintstone, the hidden potential, the revealed potential, names, which are less subliminal than capacity. Hasidus uses each of these different categories to explain the difference of how specificity of anything exists within each of these circular infinite dimensions of the soul. We now understand that as it is with the essence of the soul and the faculties of the soul, so too it is with the essence of God and the specificity of all of creation. So what does this mean to us in this lecture? This will take us into the depths of the reason of why the Torah was given to the imperfect physical Jewish people and not to the perfect spiritual angels as well as it will reveal to us how, through the physical Jew receiving the Torah, the entire universe embraces the ultimate truth of the ultimate subliminal existence in which God is everything and everything is God. More precisely, the entire universe embraces that everything is the essence of God and the essence of God is everything, from the most subliminal 
to the most tangible levels of existence. In his book Proverbs, King Solomon says, and I quote the verse from chapter 27, verse 19, As in water face answers to face, so is the heart of a man to a man. Now Rashi, which is Rabbi Shlomo Yitzchaki, the classic commentator, explains the verse as follows. He quotes the words as in water, and he explains the face that you show it, it shows you. Then he quotes the words, is the heart of man to a man, and Rashi comments, his friend. According to how much a man knows that his friend loves him, so he will show him his face. So simply what King Solomon is saying, that one person's emotions to another brings back the other person's emotions to him. If a person gives love to another person, he shows love, he will receive back love. Jewish mysticism, however, takes us into the secrets that lie hidden within this verse. Let's quote parts of the verse again. As in the water, this refers to the pre-contraction infinite light. Is the heart of a man to a man? This refers to the lower man, which is the human being, and the higher man, which is the Holy One, blessed be He. The mystical teachings upon this are extremely deep. However, I will simplify it to the best of my capability. What is being mystically told to us with the words, as in water, face answers to face, is an amazing paradox of truisms. First of all, the water in itself is absolute simplicity with no form of a face at all. Water has no form. Secondly, the face is created not by the water, but by the face looking into the water. Thirdly, the face in the water is in truth simple water, as, in, as is evident by one running his hand through the face in the water. Lastly, spiritually speaking, the earlier, the above, and the higher creates and sustains the lower. Therefore, in truth, it is the face in the water that is giving the face to the face looking into the water. That was complicated, but we're going to understand each of these paradoxical truisms. The simplicity of the essence of the infinite light does not have within it any form or face at all. Taking this to its highest level, within the primordial thought of God, in its earliest state, which is called the purest primordial will of God, is the source of the Jew, the godly soul, as we learned earlier from the teaching of Elijah the prophet. However, in the purest primordial will of God, there is no face. So how does the Jew exist there? Parenthetically speaking, the simple mystical definition of a face is the complexity of a right, a left, and a center, as we will soon explain. But the bottom line is that in the purest primordial will of God, there is no form, there is no face, there is no right, left, or center. So how does the Jew exist there? What is Elijah the prophet saying? Kabbalah tells us that at this primordial level of the will of God was 
Upon who shall I be king? Upon the soul of the righteous. What does this mean? This is as the child is deeply engraved in the most subliminal level of the father, only that for the human being who is within the finite capacity of time, which is past, present, and future, the child must first be born to the father before the form of the child can be engraved in the deepest depths of the father. However, for God, before the child was born, the form of the child already was engraved within the deepest, purest, primordial will of God. It is so because the defining order of past, present, and future do not exist to God, and therefore the future can already exist within the present. And thus, before the souls of the righteous existed, they already existed so deeply within God that these souls already etch their form within the purest primordial will of God to the point that they became the will of God that God created the world for them uh, let's quote again what Kabbalah says God said upon whom shall I be king upon the souls of the righteous but the souls of the righteous wasn't even created thus what we're saying is that because by God past, present, and future does not exist in the order that we know it, it's not confined to the order as we know it. Therefore, before the souls of the righteous, the Jewish people, were created, they already existed and etched themselves within the purest primordial will of God. They became the reason why God created the world. Thus, let's see what we're saying here. It was the face of the souls of the righteous, the Jew, who created the face within the water of the purest primordial will of God, which is the pre-contraction infinite light. However, within the purest simplicity of the water, the purest primordial will of God, the pre-contraction infinite light, we're calling it here water, like King Solomon did, there is nothing but the water. And the face, the Jew, in this level is nothing but the pure water like the person who puts his hand through the water where the face is he's not going to touch a face he's going to touch water because all there is is the formless purest essence of the water this is the most subliminal level of existence of the jew within its source where in truth the jew is nothing but the essence of god now let's go to the next part of the verse, face to face, right? I explained earlier that the mystical definitions of face is the three lines of right, left, and center, which is the structure of the ten emanations as we know them, with kindness being on the right, strictness being on the left, and the unifying emotion of compassion being in the center. Thus, in the latter half of the verse, we are speaking of the two dimensions of the ten emanations as they exist in the world of absolute unity and divinity called Atzilut. The word Atzilut comes from the word Etzel, which means close to God. That is the world of godliness. And on the other hand, we're speaking of the dimension of the ten emanations as they exist within the world of separation and egocentrism called creation 
formation and action. The final world that we live in, this physical world, is the lower dimension of action, which is called the world of Asiya Hagashmi, action, the physical, the physical world of action. Thus, what the verse is saying with the words, so is the heart of a man to a man, is that God created a cause and effect system in which all the additional light that is drawn into the ten emanations of the world of unity and divinity called Atsilas is brought about precisely through the actions of the physical Jew in the physical world of action. Now, King Solomon says in the verse, as in water, right? Then he goes on to say, so is the heart. So we have the as in, dot, 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 so is, dot, dot, dot. Mystically speaking, King Solomon is telling us of a deep secret of a similarity between the way the face exists within the purest primordial water and the way the face exists in the physical world of action. This means that as in the purest primordial water, the face, the Jew, is the essence of the water, which is the purest primordial will of God, so is that the face, the Jew, in the physical world of action is the essence of water, the purest primordial will of God. Wow, what are we saying here? The revelation of this deepest secret of the as-in, so-is of the Jew is through the two prerequisites of receiving the Torah, which are also the primary focus of the Torah, as we mentioned earlier. Let us see. Let us explain this clearly and easily. Through the total and absolute submission and unity of a Jew's service of with all your might, we break the blockage between the pre-contraction higher water and the post-contraction lower water. That the way the face of the Jew exists within the higher water as nothing but the pure simplicity of the essence of the water, so too the face of the Jew remains with being nothing but the pure simplicity of the essence of the higher water, even as the face of the Jew descends and exists within the lower water. Allow me to explain what this is saying. As we travel and evolve through the evolution from the infinite to the finite, in each descent, the existence of the Jew evolves into being less subliminal and from only being the purest essence of God into becoming a more tangible three-dimensional existence of specificity. However, the power of the Torah given through the with all your might service of a Jew, the Jew defies the separation of the evolution and remains in the deepest oneness of being nothing but the pure essence of God even post-contraction. That means that this power of the Torah that we can now serve God with all our might helps us defy the contraction where even though we are, we are evolving into a three-dimensional tangible lower level we still remain 
the absolute pure peace of God. This goes even further. Through the detailed service of correction and refinement of the 49 days of counting the Omer, the seven emotions made up each of seven details, the 49 days, we break the separation between the world of unity and divinity and the physical world of action. And thus, as in, so is, that the physical Jew in the physical world is nothing but the essence of the higher water. Our sages teach us that the purpose of creation is that God desired to have a physical home in the nether dark physical world built by a nether physical human of true freedom of choice to equally choose between good and evil between serving God or serving his egocentric self. How is this physical home for God built? For the answer, we will now turn to the opening teaching of Bereshit, the Bet Reshit, that the world was created for the physical Jew to physically perform the Torah. By the physical Jew using the physical world for physically performing and observing the commandments of the Torah, we are building a physical home for God. Let's get deeper. We just learned such deep stuff, so let's get deeper. Jewish mysticism explains the difference between a person living in his own home and a person living as a guest by a friend. Only when a person lives in his own home is he completely at ease to the point that in a person's own home he walks around in certain rooms even without any clothing. Mystically speaking, walking around without any clothing means that God is living in his physical home with the total revelation of his purest essence. We explained earlier that Elijah the prophet taught that only the Jew in his truest essence source exist in total oneness where he, where he is nothing but the purest essence. Remember when we spoke about the water. The face is not a face, it's actually water. And we explained that in the final analysis, it is only through the physical detailed service of correcting, refining, and elevating the egocentric emotions of his animalistic soul that he breaks through all the blockages of the concealments of the evolution of creation until even as a physical Jew in the physical world of action the Jew remains nothing but the pure essence of God. Thus we now understand that only through the physical Jew physically performing the commandments of the Torah does God live in a physical home where God wears no clothing and is in full revelation of God's purest essence. Let's, let's understand this so we'll be able to again just clarify now what was going on between Moses and the angels. Let us now return to our opening of the angels crying out to, Mo to God to give them the Torah 
and to let them, the angels, build a physical home for God. Why was God giving it to the imperfect Jewish people? The Jewish people have two fundamental advantages over the angels, which is what Moses answered the angels as to why only the physical Jew, through receiving and observing the Torah, can accomplish to build a physical home for the pure essence of God. Angels can't do this. Why? What the two fundamental advantages that the Jewish people have over the angels is that A. Their soul comes from the highest pure essence of God and B. That their body comes from the lowest physical dust of the physical earth. These two advantages were the two points that Moses was making in his response to the angels. Let's see. A. One point that Moses made was that the angels have no evil inclination, call it the animalistic soul, the egocentrism, and therefore cannot perform the rectification, elevation, and transformation to its ultimate state of with all your might. Why? Because the ultimate service of with all your might can only exist by him whose source exists within being of the pure essence. This exists only within the soul of the Jew and not within the angels. B. The other point that Moses made was that the angels cannot perform the commandments physically because it was the Jew and not the angel which had a body made from the lowest physical inanimate dust of the physical earth. Okay, we're now understanding what Moses was saying with his two points. However, let us explore one final aspect to Moses' answer to the angels. What is it that without, or why is it, that without having a soul from the highest source of pure essence of the higher water that the angel could not descend into the physical world to build a physical home for God. I mean angels are holy enough to do it even though they don't have their soul coming from the pure essence of the higher waters. Let's look at something very interesting that our sages tell us. Our sages tell us that when the generation of the flood went astray God began to regret having created man. Then two angels, Shamchazi and Azael, that's the name of the two angels, Shamchazi and Azael, they came before God and they said, Did we not warn you before you created man, saying, What is man that you should be mindful of him? God replied, Then what shall become of the world? The angels answered, We will suffice instead. God answered, I know that would you live on that world, the evil inclination would rule you just as much as it controls man, but you would be even worse. But these two angels, Shamchazi and Azael, persisted, and they said, Let us descend to the world of man, and we will show you how we will sanctify your name. And God said, Go down and dwell among them. Sure enough, as soon as the angels descended, their evil inclination overpowered them. 
when they saw the beautiful daughters of man, they became corrupted and sinned with them. They and their descendants are what the Torah calls the Nephilim, which means the giants, the mighty ones, referred to in Genesis chapter 6. The power of the contraction, which created the possibility of evil, which then manifested itself into the evil inclination, is so powerful that the greatest of light, as it descends into the nether physical world, becomes completely swallowed up by the evil inclination. This is why even the great and mighty spiritual angels Shamchazi and Azael, once they descended into the physical world, the domain of the evil inclination, they were swallowed up by the evil inclination and became evil themselves. The only existence that there is that is greater than the contractions effect on creation, which will not be swallowed up by the evil inclination, is the pure essence of God. This is why only the physical Jew can be trusted to receive the Torah to successfully battle the evil inclination and to successfully build a physical home for God. Because the Jew, his soul, is in its source nothing but the pure essence of God and therefore it can win the battle with the evil inclination. In closing, in closing the first thing to practically understand from this is that we are made up of both the best of the best that God has to offer and the worst of the worst that God has to offer. The second thing that we need to know is that God created us in a way that even when we are in the worst of the worst of our ugliness, this still cannot and does not extinguish the best of the best of God's beauty in us. And the third thing that we need to know is that the reason that we go through being the worst of the worst of our ugliness is because only we can get the job done to not only survive the experience but to transform the entire experience to be the very purpose of creation to build the master bedroom of God's physical home. Now the bigger question is that when we are in the worst of the worst of our ugliness what this is the question the most important question we can ask what am I going to do about this in addiction recovery when the sponsee slips and calls his or her sponsor in total despair and hopelessness the sponsor would often reply with and I quote that is not a new behavior for you that is your normal behavior that you have been doing for years already so why are you so freaking out in despair? Then the sponsor gives the sponsee tools how to get reprieve from the worst of the worst of his ugliness that God created him with. What are the tools? There's two tools that the sponsor gives the sponsee. A. Pray to God to free you of your bondage. What is that? 
That is the first thing that Moses said. The experience of tikkun, correcting with all your might. B, the second thing the sponsor tells the sponsee is, get out of your head and turn your attention to someone you can help. Well, guess what? That's the second thing that Moses said. Physically do the commandments of the Torah. Get out of your head and help someone else. This is what Moses is telling us about living as a physical Jew in a physical world. Friends, modernity offers growth, and growth comes with challenges. Judaism offers timeless divine solutions. The Jewish mind is where modernity meets Judaism.